It's the Noon Report from Family Life, bringing a Christian worldview to what's happening in New York, Pennsylvania, across the country, and around the world. Weather with Kevin Williams, plus special features and reports with the Family Life News team. Now, here's what's happening. Stormy Christmas. Good afternoon. Weather watchers keeping a close eye on a blockbuster storm headed our way. This one may be one for the record books. The storm system over the next few days, it's going to be a rough time for much of the nation. The wicked weather could wreak havoc on your holiday getaway, says meteorologist Kevin Williams. A massive storm that will impact the Midwest, Great Lakes, Ohio Valley, Mid-Atlantic and Northeast. With heavy rain, ice, wind, snow, a flash freeze, and the kitchen sink perhaps thrown in for a good measure. Now things start to get really dicey. Thursday afternoon, conditions will only worsen through the day Friday. The Weather Channel's Chris Warren. Winds at times gusting stronger than 50 miles an hour while it's snowing could have blizzard conditions. Aside from the snow and ice and wind and rain, temperatures will be dropping like a rock this weekend. The air that's going to be over your head Friday evening into the weekend is currently over the the Arctic Ocean, all right? Meteorologist John Hickey says we will be hard-pressed to break out of the teens by Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Forecaster Adam Klotz says real field conditions will be sub-zero across a huge swath of the country. Negative 30 in St. Louis, negative 20 in Columbus, negative 27 degrees in Chicago. That's what it feels like on Friday morning, so a ton of people dealing with some really cold air. The storm comes as 113 million of us are on the go for Christmas, reporter Maggie Vespa. Experts suggest that drivers check the forecast before hitting the road so you're not leaving during or driving into the peak of the storm. We'll check back with Kevin Williams, get a storm update a little later in the broadcast. Now to the border. The Supreme Court has temporarily postponed tomorrow's end of Title 42, a Trump-era policy that, if allowed to expire, would open up the floodgates to illegal immigration. The Biden administration has until 5 o'clock today to respond to that emergency stay. Legal analyst Lori Levinson. The Supreme Court realizes that this isn't really a decision for them to make, but that they need some time, at least a day, to evaluate whether the administration is operating within their powers in terminating Title 42. Nineteen attorneys general appealed to the Supreme Court to intervene in this illegal immigration crisis. Texas Congressman Tony Gonzalez. Welcome to the new Ellis Island. When people often ask me, hey, what's what's the administration's plan? This is their plan. We're seeing it unfold. And, and this is exactly what they want. They want taxpayers to pay for this influx of, of migrants. 400 Texas National Guard troops have been dispatched to El Paso, where a state of emergency has been declared. Congressman James Comer. Over the past two years, this administration has turned the Border Patrol into the welcoming committee. They want more people to roll into the United States. The Biden administration also wants Congress to approve $3.5 billion for border security. Comer says throwing more money at the problem will not solve America's immigration crisis. For the first time in American history, a congressional committee has recommended a former president, Donald Trump, face criminal charges. The January 6th committee wants Trump charged with obstruction, conspiracy, and 
made efforts to incite, assist, or aid an insurrection for his role in trying to overturn the 2020 election results. Committee Vice Chair Liz Cheney. No man who would behave that way at that moment in time can ever serve in any position of authority in our nation again. UC Berkeley law professor John Yu does not think the Justice Department has enough evidence, despite the committee's findings, to prosecute the former president. I didn't see anything that showed facts that connect President Trump to the January 6th riot. No discussions explicitly between him and the people who carried out the attacks. Without that, I don't think you have enough for a prosecution. Now that the work of the January 6th committee is complete, the question remains, what's next for Trump and the Republican Party? Political analyst Robert Costa. I'm hearing from some of the party's top donors, elected officials on Capitol Hill. They say behind the scenes, real discussions about whether former President Trump is politically vulnerable. His 2024 bid now up for discussion. Trump announced the day before the 2022 midterms that he intends to run again for president in 2024. A magnitude 6.4 earthquake struck this morning off the coast of Northern California. It felt like turbulence like on an airplane, like intense. The quake knocked out power to 70,000 homes in Humboldt County. Some 20 aftershocks reported in that area. Homes and roads were damaged north of San Francisco. Two injuries reported. A serial burglar's been caught red-handed trying to steal Christmas presents from underneath the tree of actor Robert De Niro's home in Manhattan. Matt Piper has that report. The NYPD has arrested a 30-year-old woman after they say she broke into Robert De Niro's home just before 3 in the morning. You got a gift, my friend. Police say she was stealing his Christmas gifts. The suspect, Shanice Avales has 26 prior arrests and was known to police. So much so, they spotted her in the area on Manhattan's Upper East Side and began to follow her, allegedly trying to break into other homes. They found her in a townhouse, putting items in a bag. Police did not initially know it was De Niro's home. He was on another floor of the house and was not hurt. Matt Piper, New York. Still to come on the Noon Report for Tuesday, Buffalo Firefighter reinstated the duck dumping dilemma in Union County. And six weeks later, we have a winner in central New York. Well, good afternoon to all. I'm Kevin Williams. If you have travel plans later this week, a high-impact weather event is expected. I'll be following it, tracking it, and talking about it coming up. The details in 10. All right, Kevin Williams, thank you very much. News where you live next. A Buffalo, New York firefighter who was fired for using medical marijuana has now returned to work. Family Life's Brandon Dixon has the story. Scott Martin was back at work this week after the city of Buffalo settled his wrongful termination lawsuit and agreed to acknowledge his rights as a registered medical cannabis user. The firefighter was fired last year for testing positive for pot. Martin is an air Force vet who served two tours in the Middle East before joining the Buffalo Fire Department. He takes medical marijuana for chronic back pain, sleeplessness, and PTSD. In addition to giving Martin his job back, the city has also agreed to provide him nearly a quarter million dollars in back pay. This case is the first in the state in which a government employee challenged his termination for use of medical marijuana. Brandon Dixon, Family Life News. All right, Brandon, thank you for that. A former New York biology 
Jersey teacher arrested for injecting a teenage boy with the COVID vaccine without the parent's permission. That teacher has avoided jail time. The teacher's attorney tells CBS News. I think this plea allows her to move on. She was fired from her job. Yes, she was. The 55-year-old ex-teacher Laura Russo accused of injecting the 17-year-old boy at her Long Island home without his parents' knowledge. Russo was sentenced yesterday to community service and one-year probation after pleading guilty to a misdemeanor. Former Pennsylvania Attorney General Kathleen Kane has skirted the long arm of the law. She's been found not guilty of DUI after getting into a car crash and Scranton back in March. Kane was released from prison in 2019 after serving eight months for perjury. She was convicted of leaking grand jury material and then lying about it to cover it up. If you don't believe your vote really counts on Election Day, the results of the 50th Senate district race in central New York could change your mind. Incumbent Democrat John Mannion's been declared the winner by just 10 votes. This was a long process. Um, we were confident, but um, we're happy. Happy that, of course, that we're on this side of it. Mannion says he is grateful for the chance to serve once again his constituents in Albany. We went through the count, the hand recount, and now uh, we are on the right side of it. A judge yesterday called that race six weeks after Election Day. Mannion's district includes Onondaga and Oswego counties. The police chief of Macedon, New York, is on unpaid voluntary leave following an incident at a restaurant this month, Fabian Rivera reportedly highly intoxicated at Flaherty's Three Flags Inn when Wayne County Sheriff's deputies were called in for a report of a disturbance. The top cop reportedly fell over several times and cut his face. He refused to leave when confronted by employees and then allegedly threatened some of them. The police chief says he was suffering from PTSD and was treated at a local hospital. Hospital. For the first time in 170 years, a congressman from Pennsylvania will chair the House Agriculture Committee next year. That congressman is Glenn Thompson. He's hosting a farm summit at the Farm Show Complex in Harrisburg, Saturday, January 7th. Here's my solution. Let's make farming profitable again. The congressman's invited committee members and the public to the state capitol in early 2023 for a public airing on all things agricultural. The largest indoor agriculture exposition in the country will uh, have a bipartisan gathering and from 1 to 3 that afternoon I will be chairing a listening session. Thompson says inflation and the war on natural gas has decimated small family owned farms that dot the landscape of Pennsylvania and New York. There's a duck dilemma in Union County, Pennsylvania in East Buffalo Townships some folks have been illegally dumping their pet ducks. Now, those ducks are beginning to mate with wild ducks, and it's created quite a foul situation there. We never planned to euthanize the ducks. We just hoped to, to reduce the population. Town Supervisor Jim Knight. We're trying to discourage people from feeding them. That'll naturally cause the population to come back into balance. 
rather than having an over concentration of so many ducks in one place. Knight says at last check there were more than 100 ducks congregating in that suburb of Lewisburg. It's been 17 days since the residents of the Sunrise Terrace Mobile Home Park in Honesdale, PA last had running water. 17 days. In early December, hundreds of gallons of home heating oil spilled near one of the two water wells located inside that park. And 17 days later, those wells are still shut off. As crews work to decontaminate the water supply, residents say they are more than a little bit frustrated at this point. Well, many of us make New Year's resolutions to get in shape, but walking on a treadmill can be a bit boring, let's face it. Family Life's Terry Diener says that's why there's First Day Hike in Pennsylvania. It's an effort aimed at getting people moving in the great outdoors again. The Pennsylvania Department of Conservation and Natural Resources will host almost 60 guided hikes in 34 state parks and three forest districts on New Year's Day as part of the nationwide First Day Hike effort. State park staff and volunteers lead the hikes, which cover about one to two miles. DCNR is asking residents and visitors to consider taking a hike and to make the time to connect with park staff. Terry Diener. Family Life News. All right, Jerry, thank you very much. We're coming up on 14 past the hour. Your midday sports next right here on the Family Life Noon Report. Good afternoon. I'm Randy Snavely. Bob, there is still a chance the Green Bay Packers can make the playoffs. They won their second straight game after beating the Rams last night, 24-12 the final. The Packers are now 6-8, and eight, and they're going to need to win out and then hope for the best to make it into the postseason. On the ice, a first for the Buffalo Bills. They won in Vegas. They'd never done that before. Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, and Lawrence Pillett all scored in the second period to stake the Sabres to a 3-0 lead, and then they held on to win it 3-2. Out in Denver, Evan Rodriguez scored the only goal in the contest, and it came in a shootout. The Avs edged the Islanders 1-0. Also skating to wins were the Bruins, Stars, Caps, Predators, Canadiens, and Blues. On to the NBA. The winning streak is now five games for the Philadelphia 76ers. Joel Embiid scored 28 and grabbed 11 rebounds to lead Philly over Toronto 104-101. Cleveland knocked off Utah 122-99. Atlanta edged Orlando 126-125. The Spurs beat Houston 124-105. Dallas fell to Minnesota 116-106. The Bucks won by nine over New Orleans 128-119. And the Thunders' Shea Gilgis-Alexander knocked down a baseline jumper at the buzzer. And Oklahoma City beat Portland 123-121. Phoenix walloped the Lakers 130-104 and Charlotte won over Sacramento 125-119. One other football note, Philadelphia Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts is hurting. He has a sprained right shoulder and is doubtful for Saturday's game against the Dallas Cowboys. 
That is a look at sports. All right, Randy, man, thank you kindly. Still to come on the Noon Report, Big Storm Bruin could be a bah humbug for your Christmas travel plans. Also ahead, we'll talk to a fatherhood facilitator from the Southern Tier who's all about cheerleading for dads. And Title 42 gets a new lease on life, but for how much longer? We'll explore the thorny issue of illegal immigration right after this. Welcome to Breakpoint, a daily look at an ever-changing culture through the lens of unchanging truth. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street. Recently, Brandon Showalter of the Christian Post described in detail one of the consequences of our culture's ideas about gender and identity. Quote, under the banner of gender identity, men who are hardened criminals but self-identify as female are now allowed to request a transfer to women's prisons. This is happening in states across the U.S., in Canada, and the U.K., end quote. What Showalter reported, an immediate response by many who hear this sort of news, is shock and surprise. After all, we were told, this kind of potential harm to women would never happen. Concerns about men taking advantage of the system were overblown. Well, according to Amy Ichikawa, however, a former inmate at Central California Women's Facility, who now runs a nonprofit for incarcerated women, the experience of men being granted residence in a women's facility was, and I quote, the most helpless feeling I've had to date, end quote. She continues, I call home every day crying for weeks, trying to explain to my family that there was a serial rapist housed here and that this is legal, that the state did it. My family thought I was delusional, and that just added to the helplessness, the feeling of utter vulnerability. Well, Ichikawa's experience was no delusion, nor was it an isolated incident. In fact, as more and more men seek transfer to women's prisons under these new policies, incidents, as you might guess, are piling up. In 2019, a 29-year-old male inmate named Janaya Monroe was transferred to an Illinois women's prison despite being convicted of attempted murder, aggravated battery, and strangling a previous cellmate. Within just two months, Monroe was accused of raping multiple female prisoners. Madeline Harks, previously known as Matthew Harks, is a serial sex offender, originally imprisoned in Canada for the sexual assault of two children under the age of five and another seven-year-old girl while on parole. Despite a psychiatric assessment that determined that Harks possessed, and I quote, an all-encompassing preoccupation in sexually abusing young girls, he was sent to a woman's halfway house and then a women's prison before being released back into a Toronto suburb. The examples that I've given so far, which are just a few, are not formed out of bigotry. They really happened. Locking women in close quarters with criminal men is an obviously bad idea. One so obvious that only an irrational prior commitment to an ideology can ever make sense of deciding it. Now, let me be clear. Making prison safer for everyone, including those who identify as transgender, is a goal worthy of any civilized society. It was one of the great causes of the life and ministry of Chuck Colson, and it's something grounded only out of Christian history. At the same time, the safety of some should never come at the expense of others, especially the most vulnerable. Just yesterday... That much was common sense. Ignoring the real differences between men and women is the social construct. It's a feature of a culture that has untethered itself from reality. The biological realities of men and women are not social constructs. And by ignoring those realities, prisons in the U.S. and Canada are putting incarcerated women at increased risk of rape and violence. And the women who are bearing the brunt of this insanity have virtually no public influence, no recourse. Nowhere to go to escape this situation. 
That's why I say a special thanks to Brandon Showalter of the Christian Post for giving them a voice. Let's be sure to listen. For the Colson Center, I'm John Stone Street with Breakpoint. Today's Breakpoint was co-authored by Casey Leander. For more resources to live like a Christian in this cultural moment, please go to colsoncenter.org. 20 past the hour, Kevin Williams next. Good afternoon. Here is your family life weather forecast for today. Just a lot of clouds, but some sunshine breaking through those clouds. For many high temps, low 30s dropping tonight toward 20. Tomorrow, some sunshine, the high in the 30s. On Thursday, cloudy with rain, sleet, and snow arriving, becoming all rain with high temperatures reaching, in most cases, into the 40s then. All right, Kevin, we'll get back to you in a few. This is the Noon Report. I'm Bob Price, and uh, the weather again. Our top story today, Tuesday, the 20th of December. Thursday and Friday will be tricky travel days all over New York and Pennsylvania. Could throw a monkey wrench in your Christmas vacation. This is going to be a very impactful storm, and it's hitting during that crucial, critical time of that holiday travel. Weather watchers predict blizzard-like conditions at times from this blockbuster storm, which will feature snow, ice, and a lot of wind. Meteorologist Mike Saika with WIVB in Buffalo. Friday morning, it quickly goes from rain to snow. There's not going to be much transition here, and it may even be blizzard-like for a period of time. Forecaster David Parkinson. Temperatures drop an incredible amount. 30, 40, 50 degrees in a span of a matter of hours and probably about 12 hours. And then you could even get a coating of snow. So uh, basically, if you are traveling Thursday or Friday in the eastern half of the U.S., you should expect delays or cancellations. Wind chills will be several degrees below zero for us on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Some of us will see our coldest Christmas in 40 years this weekend. The U.S. Supreme Court has given the Biden administration until 5 o'clock today to respond to an emergency stay on Title 42. The Trump-era border policy was set to expire at midnight tonight, but 19 attorneys general sued, and the high court agreed to issue a postponement. The Biden administration knew this was coming and and apparently has what they say is a secret plan, but I think the secret is they have no plan. Texas Senator John Cornyn says when it comes to the border... More people need to pay attention, and we need to have some people get retired who are unwilling to step up and deal with this. In El Paso, Texas, thousands of migrants seeking asylum are overwhelming homeless shelters. Have you ever seen it like this? No. John Martin runs a homeless shelter in that city. Do you worry that this city and this county will reach a breaking point? Well, I don't know if there's such a thing as a breaking point because you have no choice. The Biden administration's asking Congress for another $3.5 billion in border funding. Brandon Judd with the National Border Patrol Council. You can throw as much money at this problem as you as you want right now. If we're not removing people, if we're releasing them into the United States, we're rewarding them. And when we reward them, they're going to continue to come. Judge says if Title 42 is allowed to expire, 14,000 illegal immigrants a day will cross into this country from Mexico. For the first time in U.S. history, a congressional committee is recommending criminal charges against a former president. The committee investigating January 6th says Donald Trump should be charged with obstruction, conspiracy, and inciting, aiding, or abetting an insurrection. Former Vice President Mike Pence thinks the Justice Department should drop the charges. I would hope that they would not bring charges against the former president. The president's actions and words on January 6th were reckless. 
But I don't know that it's criminal. it's criminal. Penn says there is no evidence that Trump's actions the day of the riots directly led to criminal behavior. With cold and flu season taking off, parents are having a tough time finding children's pain medicine. Nothing works faster on fever than children's Tylenol. Now, CVS has placed a two-product limit on over-the-counter fever reducers in stores and online. The Pope has stripped a pro-life priest of his priesthood for what he calls blasphemous social media posts about the president. Father Frank Pavone calls the move to defrock him cancel culture at its worst. Why are they doing this? A lot of it obviously is connected with the cancel culture that comes against supporters of President Trump. It is not just an effort to silence me. People are losing their jobs, as you know, because they stand for their conservative values. And, and so they're trying to do the same within the church to priests like me. Pavone is one of the most prominent pro-life activists in the world. He has served as national director of Priests for Life for many years. Efforts to save girls' sports from the growing influence of the transgender movement have failed in Ohio and Connecticut. In Ohio, legislation that bans biological boys from competing in girls' sports did not pass the state assembly. And in Connecticut, a federal judge has upheld a controversial transgender sports policy that allows biological boys to compete against girls. And on a lighter note, from across the pond, authorities in London felt like real dummies after a recent call. Here's Family Life's Brian Query. Police turned heads when they broke down the doors of a London art gallery to save a woman slumped unconscious over a table, only to discover... She was made of packing tape and foam filler. You see, the lifeless woman they had been trying to save was in fact an art installation on display at the gallery. A worker at the gallery had just locked up and gone upstairs to make a cup of tea when she came downstairs to find the front doors off the hinges and two very confused police officers. The realistic sculpture by American artist Mark Jenkins features a woman wearing sneakers and a yellow hoodie slumped face down in a bowl of soup. This apparently is not the first time the installation has caused trouble. In October, paramedics were prepared to assist the mannequin until they got a pulse on the situation. Brian Query, Family Life News. Very good. Thank you, Brian. It's 25 past the hour. This is the Noon Report. Welcome back to another edition of Hometown Heroes on Family Life. I'm Mark Webster, and this week's guest is Bob Letcher from Painted Post New York, a facilitator for the Fatherhood Connection, helping men find purpose and identity in fatherhood. I facilitate for an organization called the Fatherhood Connection, and I have been doing it now over three years, and I got exposed to it right as I was going through separation and right as COVID was hitting, and really, it saved me. Literally, organization that was founded by our leader and pastor, Reggie Cox, out of Rochester, Fairport. And he's been ministering to men coming out of prison, coming out of rehab, coming off the of DV charges, and has been doing that for a long time. And with that, he also brings the Spirit of God to it and how we as men have been taken out of our original intense fathers and our societies, specifically the U.S., is, is a fatherless society. You really kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's never been more obvious 
curious what the implications are of the you know, the breakdown and, and the lack of support now for you know, traditional marriage and, and traditional mother-father system, and we're reaping you know, the cost of that now. We can look back and point fingers, point fingers, but what we're doing is going out and enabling men and lifting them up and celebrating them. We affirm and approve and celebrate you. And those words are very important. And the transformation that we are seeing in the fatherhood connection, the transformation is healing. Us men taking our rightful place in the family unit, whether that family unit is not physically together. And I've gone through it and things were tough, but you know, I've really worked on the fatherhood and the other men that are going through this have healed me and helped me. Every session, I come out of that with something and we do it all over Zoom. You know, teletherapy is just exploding, but also the need is also there. So there's some of the silver linings that have come out of COVID, but that's an important piece of how we run our programs. Not to say that in-person isn't very important. We do get together. This is a very personal passion for you too, isn't it? Well, it is. You know, my pain has become my passion. That transformation of what we're doing in the fatherhood connection, we're now going statewide with the fatherhood initiative. God's path is so great and this work is so great. And some of our real focus is on parental alienation mm-hmm. and how that is an area that can fix a lot of things. And that is enabled by the systems in the court and the bias that is put on men. Between the devaluation yeah. of traditional marriage and also you get a generation of young men who don't have that example of what good fatherhood looks like. That doesn't happen only when there's separation or divorce. And I experience it real time. Being married, how do we not just be the breadwinners, but we be the everything? Kind of step back into it. And yes, you do have the authority. Moreover, it may not then be your dad, but you can be that figure to someone else. I have two girls that are 15 and 13 now, but when they were in elementary school and even in, in pre-K, I was working out of the house, so I had flexibility to go in and, and be a lunch monitor. Man, so many kids, just, especially the girls, the father-daughter bond is so important. Us guys aren't stepping into those roles, those opportunities. I say these guys get involved with their education or get involved with their school. And there's no entryway for men to be involved, but there will be. Donnie, as it is, it, it is absolutely crucial, isn't it? Just to the very fabric yeah. of our nation. Yes, it is. We talk about repairing that breach and fathers being involved with their daughters and their sons is so important. And it's very fixable. We're a generation away. We're breaking the cycles. Just like anything else, you can break that cycle through mindset, through prayer, through community, and that brotherhood that we bring fixes people. That is it. And the science is catching up with that. We see a lot of people, both Christian and around that, that are affirming men and and pulling them up. But the systems need to catch up with that and being able to give them equal opportunity to be a father, to be a parent. The interview fathers across the board, do you think you're replaceable? 58% of the men said they're replaceable as a father. But yet you ask those same children, like 2%. It's that mindset that we have, we have to shift. We're not replaceable. And I say that all the time. You're not replaceable. As bad as you have been, that child wants to be in your life. That's Bob Letcher from Painted Post New York, a facilitator for the Fatherhood Connection, helping men find purpose and identity in fatherhood. Please join us again next week as we search for your home, your town, your hero. It's Hometown Heroes on Family Life. All right, awesome topic today. Thank you, Mark. Hometown Heroes comes your way every Tuesday during the Noon Reporter online anytime at familylife.org. Good afternoon. Here is your Family Life regional weather forecast. No major travel troubles are expected today or tomorrow. 
But the weather issues will rise dramatically later this week. A high-impact event affecting the Great Lakes, Midwest, Ohio Valley, and Northeast. And here, most notably, it'll bring a flash freeze on Friday with rain changing to snow, plummeting temperatures, and high winds. Travel troubles uh, are likely to abound, unfortunately, Friday and Friday night. Lake effect snows follow for the weekend. For today, though, uh, just a lot of clouds, but some sunshine breaking through those clouds. For many high temps, low 30s dropping tonight toward 20. Tomorrow, some sunshine, the high in the 30s. On Thursday, cloudy with rain, sleet, and snow arriving, becoming all rain with high temperatures reaching, in most cases, into the 40s then. All right, Kevin, thank you. Finally at noon, Academy Award-winning director James Cameron wants to settle one of the great movie debates of all time. He's commissioned a study to find out if Jack could have survived on the floating door alongside Rose in his 1997 classic, Titanic. You're going to die an old, an old lady. Warm in her bed. <laughs> Not here. Not this night. Not like this, do you understand me? Cameron paid to have stunt people and hypothermia experts recreate the scene from the award-winning film. He says they proved that only one person could have fit on that door. Not two, just one. Cameron's study will be featured in the National Geographic special coming out in February. This week, by the way, marked the 25th anniversary of Titanic's debut in theaters. And that's the world we live in, Tuesday the 20th of December. I'm Bob Price. Family Life News. You've been listening to the Noon Report. Heard weekdays on Family Life. Thank you for listening.